The following message was recorded at Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. More information can be found online at Bethlehem.Church. Man, I would love to hear from you guys all on how you prioritize your marriages. I think that would be awesome because I know that we all work really hard at our marriages and, um, yeah, being moms and um, taking care of our homes and taking care of our husbands and is, you know, the passion of our lives and we're all working really hard at it. So thank you for letting me be here and speak to you on this subject. And I hope that um, I can just bring some encouragement to you guys today. So happy Thanksgiving. And because it's Thanksgiving this week, I would like to tell you a little more about myself um, by counting some of my blessings out loud to you guys. So I am, first of all, thankful for my husband, Mike. Uh, We met 37 years ago when we were attending um, a little university in Ohio called Cedarville University. Um, And we became close friends while we traveled on a singing team together. Um, representing our college around the Midwest. So every weekend we'd go out and um, with our team. It was really fun. We eventually began dating, and there was no turning back. We just always moved forward in that, and we're married in December of 1988. And um, Mike has worked as um, in construction with his family. Um, we served at a small youth Christian youth camp in Michigan for six years. We were on the staff there um, full-time. It was really fun started raising our kids there, and then we moved to the Upper Peninsula of Michigan to just a tiny little town where we raised our kids. Um, We just enjoyed some really great friendships in that little town and loved our congregation there. Um, I am thankful. Oh, there's another picture of us at at Cedarville. I'm thankful for our five uh, children, three of whom are married now. Our two oldest sons and their families live in Michigan, and between the two of them, they have 10 um, children. And then we have a daughter who lives here in St. Paul, and she has she and her husband have two little kids. And then we have a daughter who lives in Scotland, and she's part of a church ministry, um, planting ministry there. And then some of you may know our son, Peter. He goes to church here. He's a member here at Bethlehem. And he is <coughs> um, in his fourth year at University of Minnesota, and he is uh, living with us right now. Um, I am thankful for our home. Just so you know, we live just about a mile from here. We live in Phillips neighborhood, and um, we rent a home, and we love our neighborhood, and we love our neighbors, and we're just planning on being here in the city as long as God would keep us here. Um, I'm thankful for Bethlehem Baptist Church, And it took me a while to really sink in and feel at home here, but I do truly feel at home here now. And um, just being able to speak to you guys at Moms is just another step in that. I just, um, it's just fun to see you guys here because I always hear about Moms, but I haven't been here yet, so it's nice to be here. And I am thankful for this opportunity to spend time with you this morning. And I'm just really honored to speak with you on the priority of marriage, especially during the different seasons of raising our children. I feel like this is sinking down on me. but um, <clears throat> I don't know if I will share anything um, that you haven't already heard already, but I don't think you guys came to um, necessarily hear brand new things, um, but just familiar truths maybe that we can just continue to rehearse and encourage.
encourage each other with. So if I can encourage you this morning with gospel hope and tips and encouragement from my 35-year marriage, then our time together will be well worth it. I have found throughout our marriage that God reminded me over and over of familiar but challenging truth through lots of things like mom's groups, Bible studies, ladies' retreats, um, time just with friends. And so I just know that repeated truths help us persevere through our marital ups and downs. My goal for this morning is to communicate to you four ways in which Mike and I have learned to lean into each other and to lean into our marriage. It's only by God's great grace and kindness that our marriage has been sustained and built up over the years. His kindness in sending others to teach us and model healthy marriages for us has been a big part of it. His grace in forgiving us for the times that we blew it and for offering us new chances, for helping us to persevere. Perseverance is such a big part of it. We had really high hopes and idealistic goals, I think, coming into marriage. Um, And by God's grace, we've experienced a safe place with each other. But it took a lot of hard work, communication, um, and, and hope for good days ahead. And we aren't done learning yet. I still um, am learning of how, how to be um, a better support and loving wife to Mike, and he's learning too. And so we just continue um, now and in the years ahead to continue to grow. Before I share the priorities that I have, it needs to be said that there's no, like you guys know this, but there's no cookie cutter marriage. Every marriage has its struggles, <clears throat> and each one looks different. And it doesn't matter how together a couple looks to you. They do have issues, they have fights, and they need God's grace. If you're in a hard place with your marriage and you need help, then, you know, seek the help you need. Don't just stay there in it. There is hope. So Bethlehem has resources. Um, The elders want to help, and I'd love to talk with you if that's a starting place. But there's no shame in seeking help. In fact, the opposite, and that's one of the blessings of being part of a church and part of a group like this, like moms. As I have been thinking about you all and look out over this group, um, I see moms who are caring for families big and small, moms who have healthy marriages, and some of you have hard marriages. Some of you are experiencing success, and some are struggling. But know that God is holding on to you no matter where you are. So I want to encourage you that the priorities that I'll share with you are for all the seasons of child raising, no matter what age your kids are, infant through adult, taking care of your marriage is the best thing you can do for your kids, no matter how old they are even. Our kids are now all grown up and still taking care of our marriage is the best thing we can do for them. As I thought back on our life together, I was once again reminded of how like fleeting but how intense every stage of child rearing is. It's honestly hard for me to remember like really specific details of when our kids were in um, specific stages. And as I looked through our pictures at home, it was like trying to find a picture of them when they're little. When you've got five kids, they're all the different ages, right? So I'm like, well, three of them are little here and two of them are. And just trying to put them into categories was interesting and seeing all the stages. 
<clears throat> but it's, it's also interesting to watch my own children, now that they have kids, to live out parenting infants, toddlers, elementary, middle, and they're just starting into the teen years with their kids. And I'm struck when, I, when my kids come home to visit or I go into their home even for a day or for a week, it just all comes back to me how challenging it is to balance parenting and marriage. Um, to work through a misunderstanding with your husband and potty train and encourage your spouse with kind words and change diapers and discuss plans for the weekend and break up a fight and go out on a date and run your kids to soccer practice, work on the budget, help with a homework assignment, build a shed and do dishes, manage your teen's phone usage, um, celebrate an anniversary, be sassed by an angry high schooler, grieve together through impaired health and send your kids off to college, communicate well when your hearing is going bad and welcome your big gang of kids and grands home for the holidays. There's a blending of the marital ups and downs and the parenting ups and downs, and it all points us to lean into each other and to lean into the Lord. So God is gracious. Marriage is precious. It's worth fighting for. It's a picture of the gospel. We got to keep reminding ourselves of that. And God is with us. So Mike and I recently did some thinking out loud together and tried to pinpoint a few priorities to place that we placed on our marriage. Of course, there's a ton, right? We have tons of priorities in our marriages and in our homes, but we came up with four that we felt like were really consistent through the years. <clears throat> Although the seasons changed and the kids kept growing and growing, these were the priorities that we kind of felt like were fun to land on and, and feel like they really helped us. Um, number one, be kind with your words. Number two, eat dinner together. Number three, keep short accounts. Number four, guard and enjoy intimacy. So number one, be kind with your words. So when I talk about being kind with your words, I mean in private when it's just you and your husband and out in public when you're around people you don't know and with people that you know really well. Romans 12.10 says, love one another with brotherly affection and outdo one another in showing honor. I feel like being kind with our words is showing honor. There are a lot of things I could say just about basic kindness in our homes, but I really wanted to just talk specifically about speech. I cannot tell you how important the priority of kind words is. Mike and I determined right from the get-go to be kind with our words inside and outside of our home. So inside the home means kindness when it's just us, when no one else is watching, except God, of course, and even before we had kids. This was a good place to start when we were first married. That mean, this means not being like rude when it feels like you just want to say that word, but being gracious. Not being sarcastic, even though it's funny, but there's little truth in there, right? But being sincere. Not being critical, but trying to be helpful. We've tried to encourage each other rather than cut each other down. It's a pretty simple truth, but it's hard to do. Sometimes this just means holding your tongue instead of saying it and just waiting a while. Or 
it doesn't mean like being fake or insincere and like, or just holding stuff in, but put thought into your responses. Respond, but put thought into your responses. And obviously after 35 years of marriage, there have been plenty of times when Mike and I have hurt each other with our words. We've cut each other down or, I mean, I've told lies and had to go back and confess that. But this was when God's grace was lived out through apologies, tons of apologies, and lots of forgiveness, and not lots of new starts. This is an important area to look at in your own life. Do you aim at kind words in your home when your kids are asleep and it's just you and your husband who are awake? James 1.19 says, let every person be quick to hear slow to speak, and slow to anger. And I think that's so important to remember that. Being kind outside of your home means when you're with friends, at church, at work, at any kind of gathering, when you're together at a gathering or apart. It could be when you're at a family get-together or when you're with, like when we're with our adult children. Um, If I'm just with my daughter, you know, my married daughter, and there's things that are bugging me and I just want to tell her about what dad's doing right now. Protect your husband through guarding your words. Don't make him the butt of jokes, complain about him, or speak critically about his failings. Even to people who know him really well, you might think, well, they know him, they know his character, so if I complain about this or that, you know, they'll understand. But instead, speak respectfully about him to other people. This doesn't mean that you can't share marital struggles, right? Um, Ask for help. It's important to be transparent with other believers and seek counsel, and talk to each other, pray together. But the main point is that we protect each other and build each other up with our words. This will instill trust in your marriage, and that's our goal is to instill trust with each other. When we know that the other one is looking out for our good, even when we're not together, that instills trust. I know when Mike is not with me and he's with um, his friends or at a small group or whatever, If he shares a need of our home or anything, I still know that he's going to be kind about me. And when I share about him, I'm kind and respectful, even if I'm needing to share a need. A culture of kindness in the home starts with kindness in marriage. So if you want to build that in your family as a whole, start in your marriage. Okay, gospel truth. Romans 2.4 says that the kindness of God leads you to repentance. God is patient. He is kind and compassionate. And he cares about your marriage, he cares about your words, and he will continue to guide your heart in kindness towards your husband. So if it's not there, he'll keep working on you, and he'll guide you in that. All right, number two priority was eat dinner together. I know it sounds kind of simple, but I include this priority, although it may seem trivial, as one of the greatest blessings of our marriage and our family life. All through the years, Mike and I have prioritized the evening meal as a family time together. Except for unusual circumstances, if at all possible, we share dinner at the dining room table. We stop what we're doing, step away from phones and screens, sit at the table so that we can eat together, and talk and listen without distractions. This provides us as a couple and our family when they were home with a much needed touch point every day. We ask questions, listen to stories about our day, work through problems, just sit there, Setting this pattern in our home has provided a lot of security. 
um, and a chance to pull away from other things. Inviting others into our home has also been kind of a natural thing because we already had that pattern, that routine of eating meals together. So inviting other people into that didn't feel as daunting because it's already a part of our family life together, right? When our kids were little, sometimes dinner was a really big struggle. And you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. Lots of fights, tears at the table, rude behavior, spills, disobedience. But sometimes it went really well. Like when we told stories and we laughed together and we learned good manners and we had fun together. Um, there was a one period of time where we were teaching catechism to our kids at the dinner table. So either way, whether it went good or whether it went bad, it was a natural part of our life together as a family, and it still is. And now that Mike and I are empty nesters, right? We still have a son who lives at home, but we've been in and out of the empty nest. We still eat our dinner meal together whenever we can, which is most, every, well, most evenings. Um, and Peter, who's 23 and lives with us, he eats at the dinner table with us um, whenever he's there too. So gospel truth. God rejoices over us. He is with us at our meals. He sees us when we prepare our meals, when we're in the kitchen getting those meals ready, or our husband's getting them ready, and when we call our family to the table and to remember that he's the provider of all those good things that we eat and we can enjoy that together as a family. Okay, number three, keeping small accounts. What do I mean by this? Mike and I have worked hard throughout our marriage and still do every single day to break down walls before they grow tall. This means addressing and talking through big and little matters that come between us. A small offense can turn into a big hurt when it's not brought to light. Bring it to light and work hard to come to a resolution before the sun goes down if you can. We considered little things just as important as big things when we had problems, like not letting little molehills turning into mountains, right? Be truthful about your feelings and address your hurts when they first happen. My tendency has been to get quiet when Mike hurts my feelings or forgets a responsibility or sins against me. Um, and he's had to often just drag stuff out of me, but it could go the other way around too. He gets quiet and I just don't know what's going on and I have to like persevere and get him to talk. So I, we've learned over the years to communicate our hurts to each other. If I can just squeak the door open and shed some light on the subject, then we have something to work with. But we have to say something. We can't read each other's minds, right? When wrongs go unresolved, then offenses get repeated and walls get bigger. We did a lot of counseling um, of others' marriages when uh, Mike was pastoring. And we had some friends that were really struggling at, through their marriage. And um, figuratively speaking, they had to back up a dump truck in front of us and just unload a pile of wrongs and hurts and sins from over the years. But praise God, the load was finally dumped. But the hurt that could have been avoided if the little things had been dealt with and not covered up. But God's grace is big enough to take care of the dump truck loads too, right? So wherever you're at with that, just get started. Do the hard work both of confessing and forgiving 
And don't wait for your husband to make the move towards reconciliation. If you recognize there needs to be a sorry said, then do it. And each time you do it will move you towards maturity and it will get easier as time goes by. Romans 12, 18 says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Couldn't we really zero in on that and just say, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with your husband? Gospel truth. God forgives. God is merciful. He is slow to anger, and he's compassionate. And God, who did not spare his own son, but offered him up for you, how would he not also with Jesus, give you every good thing, including the power to listen, speak, and forgive. All right, here's the fourth one. Guard and enjoy intimacy. I include this priority because it has been an anchor in our marriage, and I'm referring to sexual intimacy. And as I enter into this topic, I know there is a wide range of emotions, probably, and responses there could be in this room. There is joy and healthy sexual relations in some of our marriages, and there's hurt and wounds in others. But no matter where you're at, it is true that every marriage needs nurturing, guarding, and tons of communication in this area. Here are some things Mike and I have learned over the years about sexual intimacy. Communicate. Talk about everything. It is always worth the effort of talking through your fears, your hesitations, your embarrassments, and your joys. We can lay in bed and wonder what the other person is thinking. And this leads to insecurity and withdrawal, or we can say the hard thing when we're laying there like, can we wait? Or I am tired, I feel hurt, or can we? Are you good with it right now? Just say something and let the communication begin. Number two, sex is a gift from God to draw us closer together emotionally and to strengthen our marriage. Caring well for each other's bodies creates trust and safety. So many times when we were struggling with each other and I didn't want to, I would literally in that moment pray for help to love Mike and to desire him. And God was faithful in that. So pray and, and trust God to help you in that. The next thing is persevere. Sex can get better and better as you get older. Don't give up on each other. And as you get older, of course, our bodies change and our health or our life circumstances change. And one particular season because of fi- family dynamics or the ages of our children might make it a lot harder to connect physically And then another season will be easier. It's a joy in marriage to recognize that through the years, we learn and grow. And that, again, trust will increase if we persevere in this area. Don't give up in it. Seek help if you need help. Seek counseling if there are hurts from the past, because that's a huge part of hindering our sexual relationship. Talk to trusted friends. And just know that there's hope. It's so valuable to get the help you need and know God's healing. Gospel truth. God's aim in the gospel is to redeem your whole life, including your sexuality. He has the power to redeem our stories and all the ripple effects of sin, our own sins against others and others' sins against us. 
Let me pivot to this next point that encompasses all of those four priorities. Mike and I can say that our home is a place of safety. And safety comes from loads and loads of grace, first from God to us, and then from one of us to the other. Our marriage is a sweet taste of the gospel, and if yours is not yet, it can be. And I bet a lot of you experience a really sweet taste of the gospel in your homes. So just a little recap of those four things. Keep short accounts through confession and forgiveness. Share good food and conversation together. Build each other up with your words in private and in public. And take really good care of each other's bodies. And even if it's not possible to share these commitments with your husband for various reasons, then ask God to just help you to prioritize your marriage as you continue to do the beautiful work of caring for your children and your home. So now that I've shared those four priorities, I'm going to provide a few examples of how they can be fleshed out in different stages of raising your children. So I divided the childhood years into four categories, the littles, the middles, the teens, and the adults. So I'm going to start with the littles. Um, so my pictures seem like they're messed up because that's not where I was supposed to be with my picture. So I'm going to see if I can find, this is my littles picture. Um, so do you have littles in your home right now? I know you do. <laughs> A lot of you do. <laughs> I bet many of you are enjoying this sweet but tiring season of caring for infants and toddlers. Um, I made a short summary of how I would describe these years. If I was talking like, this is all so new. We're just learning everything. It's tiring. So many wake-ups during the nights. Runny noses, picky eaters, potty training, first words, first steps, decision-making, bath time, cuteness overload, and the list goes on. This is a great time to build a pattern of keeping short accounts, so I'm going to bring that priority into the, these years. In this season of life, emotional and physical weariness can cause short tempers and spontaneous fights. Show lots of grace to each other. When something hurtful gets said, address it right away. And a huge benefit at this time in life of keeping short accounts is it's a really good model for your little ones. Let them hear you saying, I'm sorry to each other. And then when you ask them to say it to their siblings, they'll know what you mean. They won't understand the issues that you guys are having, the hurtful words at this point, but they do feel the stress and they will feel the forgiveness. And sometimes when we think they don't understand because they're too little that they can't understand what, what we're fighting about, and so it's okay to fight in front of them, it just sets up unhealthy patterns. So try to get those patterns going when they're little. Try to keep those short accounts with each other and model that for them. Determine now when your littles are around you to speak kindly to daddy and about daddy when he's not around. It's easy also at this time in life to compare with each other, like compare who's working the hardest, who's keeping up their 50% or who's, you know, like being faithful with what they're supposed to be doing around the house. Um, recognize those tendencies of comparison with your husband or just wanting him to, you know, do better. Um, he's maybe not doing as much as you. Try to recognize that in yourself and find times to be honest with your husband about that. Talk about it in really thoughtful and helpful ways. Um, and times when emotions aren't big and huge, right? So that when you're thinking well. 
And um, a tip about conflict resolution is don't lay in bed and try to work out your problems because you or he will inevitably fall asleep while the other one is like pouring out their heart, right? So haven't we all been there? I mean, we have. It's best to communicate and work towards um, problem solving before the sun goes down, like before you go to bed. And then also during the littles years, that's a great time to sit down at the table together. Um, I've got a picture of, let's see if I can find, oh, I feel like half my pictures aren't here. Well, maybe they're behind. That's okay. We'll just turn it off. Or I'll just stick with, I'll stick with that one. Um, that's quite fine. But I had a picture of my daughter sleeping at the table um, when she was like three years old. It's a really cute picture. But anyway, um, it's just a great time to sit down together at the table and teach them their manners, how to fold their hands, laugh together, um, teach them how to enjoy new foods, and just show them what feasting looks like. Just have fun together. Okay, so the middles, I consider this like kindergarten through fifth grade. Um, that's kind of what that picture is. During the elementary years, life is on the move so much more, it feels like, as a family. You're establishing routines, and the kids are more aware of relational patterns between you and your husband. So it's really important time to stay tender towards each other and let the kids hear you apologize. Um, to actually say the words, I'm sorry, but then to go on and say, will you forgive me? That's just a really great question to ask. Um, so be sure to apologize to the kids too. Like when you sin against them, apologize and ask for their forgiveness. And um, when you're doing all that running around during those years from place to place, car rides are a great time to circle back and discuss things. And um, yeah, so lead out in those conversations um, humbly and with compassion. And God shows compassion on us as a family. And we used to love to make our kids squeal in disgust during those middle years when we would hug and kiss in front of them. Um, we were often affectionate in front of them to assure them of our love for each other and to build security in their world. So I remember um, vividly when I was a kid walking into the kitchen when my dad had his arms around my mom while she was cooking or when my mom um, would randomly reach out to hold his hand. It would be a little embarrassing to me, but it really built security in, t in me, and um, it was good to see them. And so we tried to do that with our kids, too, so that they could see it even though they didn't, they acted like they didn't like it. So that intimacy is important for them to see. Um, and then teens, the teen years, they might not let you know that they care about your marriage, but they really do. Security between mom and dad brings security to them in their confusing world. So let, the, let them, as teenagers, hear you discussing your differences in meaningful ways. It's so important for teens to hear problem solving in meaningful ways because in our world, there's just a shutdown of dialogue like that. So they need to hear that in the home um, just for you to be able to model repentance and forgiveness is so important to them. And then... In those years, instead of letting your marriage kind of take the back seat, because life gets super busy when they're teens, let it get richer and more fun as you move towards your 40s and 50s. This is when the fruit of keeping short accounts is also really paying off. You have more time together as a couple, and you may have more opportunities to get together with friends 
and more freedom to do things as a family. So continue to communicate grace and work together in those teen years. You'll be new at having teens in the home, and it takes a lot of putting your heads together and a lot of teamwork. And Mike and I really enjoyed our late 30s and early 40s when our kids were teens because we had more freedom to explore hobbies and spend time with, our, with friends. And intimacy became sweeter at this point, maybe because we weren't so exhausted and the kids weren't clamoring for our attention all the time. But the benefits of talking through the ups and downs of our sexual relationship through the years, of persisting and taking care of each other, they were evident as we grew older. And again, we just continued to build that trust in each other. And then adult children, that's where we're at in life right now. The strangeness and sweetness of the empty nest years. It's time to figure out how to communicate in new and fresh ways with humility and grace. Taking care of each other without the distractions of a busy house full of kids and new opportunities to address issues that we might have swept under the rug. Unkind words still pop up and ignored responsibilities, insecurities about our changing bodies. And this is another opportunity to address hurts and failures with grace. And the sweet opportunity to embrace each other and enjoy the bedroom without anybody else around in the house. The dinner table continues to be a sweet spot in our days. We have our favorite foods and drinks and nobody to complain about what we eat. And we're still busy and pulling away from our tasks, so we still have to prioritize it because it'd be easy to just keep going with what we're doing. Um, but it, we still just find it really valuable. I have a little plaque in my bathroom which says, grow old with me, the best is yet to be. And this is a cute rhyme and sentiment, but don't wait until you're old for the best to be. Start where you're at, making this day, this week, this year the best it can be, by God's grace only, through resources and friends, by leaning into his word and seeking help when needed. And I think that's why you guys are all here today, because that's what you're doing. You're leaning into the Lord. You're leaning into resources, each other, people who've gone before you and are older than you, like me. And um, we need each other. So if I could ask each of you to come up right now and share your priorities and tell me about your families, I'd love that. But obviously we can't do that. But thank you for letting me share that with you. I'm just going to repeat these words I said at the beginning. God is gracious. Marriage is precious. It's worth fighting for. It's a picture of the gospel, and God is with us. So if there's anything that you guys ever want to like talk to me about or get together over coffee or anything like that, I would love to do that. So let's pray. Lord, thank you for just your kindness and grace in our lives, Lord. We don't... We know that, God, you are not about shaming us. You are not about putting rules in our lives um, or even a list of priorities. But, Lord, you're about shaping us kindly over time and using the church, using your word, using people to help us in our marriages. So, Lord, I pray for this group of women here, Lord. I pray, God, that you would guide them and strengthen them, give them joy Lord, I pray that their marriages would be a sweet taste of the gospel and that you would just really bless them, especially this week with Thanksgiving coming around with all the plans of travel or having people in or just being by ourselves with our families. Lord, help us to be thankful people 
And um, yeah, we bless you this morning, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter their content in any way without written permission from Bethlehem Baptist Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us online at Bethlehem.Church. Bethlehem Baptist Church, spreading a passion for the supremacy of God in all things for the joy of all peoples through Jesus Christ.